Hello and welcome to this week's Dividend Cafe podcast. We're recording from Hilton Head, South Carolina this week where I've been in meetings with my partners at Hightower Advisors for a day and a half. I'm titling this week's podcast, Markets Frightened, Election Tightened, Media Not Enlightened. And I can't uh, tell you how excited I am that next week will be our first Dividend Cafe podcast where the election will actually be over. It has been a brutally long campaign and we're excited to kind of have it behind us. As far as um, the presidential results and the overall picture, there's no question uh, that it's very much tightened and anything can happen. We'll have more to say about that here in a minute. Um, uh, We will do a special edition around the election next week and uh, particularly focusing on implications for investors around whatever results we end up seeing. Um, So in the meantime, we have a lot to cover. Let's go ahead and get into it. At first glance, I would like to take a second glance. The Q3 GDP number came out, third quarter's economic growth came out last Friday and reflected a a headline annualized rate of 2.9% real GDP growth in Q3, whereas uh, the second quarter was only 1.4% and the first quarter was pitifully less than 1%. So we're on track right now to end 2016 at about 1.7% real economic growth. Um, You know, very tepid. Uh, The real story, though, may be even worse than that. Um, Exports were up 10% in the third quarter versus the second quarter, which is really a jaw-dropping number that no one can possibly believe is sustainable. Um, It was a very meaningful contributor to that overall GDP number. Um, I would think in normal circumstances, a a uh, stronger dollar like we've had would have dampened U.S. exports and yet we had a uh, pretty significant um, uh, uh, quarter for GDP growth even with that. So something makes me think it was more of an outlier. Could be wrong, but either way, the the metric we want to look to for overall sustainable economic growth is fixed investment and it just does not look positive right now. I would say that uh, fixed investment growth in residential, in business, uh, overall, is all downward trending and although not recessionary, not indicative of the GDP growth that maybe Q3 was indicating we could be seeing. Say what again? I read a piece in the Wall Street Journal last week and have seen this mantra touted in various research publications that uh, we have been in a non-inflationary environment, which is true, and that high growth stocks have not done relatively well in that environment, which is untrue, while high dividend stocks have really done quite well, which is untrue other than you know 2016. And that now if we enter an inflationary environment, it'll be the more growthy and cyclical stocks that do well versus the more value dividend names. And I would say that is painfully untrue. Um, The reality is that high valuation cyclical growth stocks up until 2016 were experiencing one of the most historically strong outperformance periods versus value-oriented names in history. We fully agree that the market has not priced in the idea of a deflationary paradigm becoming an inflationary one, 
but we vehemently protest the idea that cyclical high beta names are now due. The remedy in periods of inflation are companies that are growing in excess of the inflation rate and companies growing cash flows and with that the dividends they pay shareholders. The facts matter. By way of earnings update, 73% of companies that have reported their Q3 earnings results have beaten profit expectations so far. 52% have beaten top-line revenue expectations as well. The market stress in re recent weeks is not related to Q3 earnings, it's despite Q3 earnings. Well, if not earnings, then what? Market prices are always and forever a function of earnings through time. Along the way, markets respond to noise, and right now there is understandably a lot of noise around the election. There are scenarios in the political realm that could create uncertainty, and until we're on the other end of that uncertainty, volatility will rule the day. Should the downside volatility ele elevate enough, we would have a chance to buy more equities at lower prices. But that has not happened yet. We'd love to see it, but we can't predict if it will. Of course, at press time, we do not know the gender or the political party of the next president, but we do know it will very likely be a 70-year-old Caucasian from New York. Um, the market next week will either be reacting to a Hillary Clinton or a Donald Trump presidency in just a few days, and we have seen polls tighten a great deal. Current indications still suggest a modest edge to Hillary Clinton from an electoral map standpoint. But it is, in all likelihood, a little too close to call at this time. Add in the possibility of a contested result in a state or more than one state, and you could really have a wild week next week. We expect there will be volatility in the week ahead in almost any scenario, as a too close to call outcome is the uncertainty markets hate most. A Trump win has largely not been digested by the market since his odds of winning have been so low throughout the campaign. And a Clinton win carries with it the questions of what the FBI investigations will bring. The political uncertainty is unavoidable right now, and yet I have a very high conviction that regardless of the specific outcome, the volatility around the election will prove to be advantageous to us through time. Some worse news to supplement the bad news. Investors intrinsically worry about risk in the stock market, and a big part of that reason is that the risk premium embedded in stocks is largely due to the necessary volatility stock ownership entails. Our job is to exploit volatility and to educate clients about its inevitability, not to time our way around it or pretend it even can be avoided. A common strategy for offsetting the effects of equity volatility is combining stocks with bonds, a process called asset allocation. So as to create a diversification of risks and rewards and economic sensitivities. Um, one thing we can, are quite aware of and have been for some time, which we think argues for greater use of non-correlated alternative assets for risk management is this. Bond yields are so low that many investors will be surprised at the negative price return they endure if and when interest rates rise. Put differently, their risky bu bucket might have some problems, say in a recession or bear market, and their safe bucket might have much worse problems. Truly active and intentional management is needed in this day and age. Hyper low inflation unless you are sick. 
Here's a, there, there's a bit of a report card for the Affordable Care Act that is kind of circulating around the internet and news reports, and most of it deals with the fact that premiums next year are going to go up quite a bit more than we were led to believe from 2016 and 2017. Um, but, but one of the things that we have uh, at our DividendCafe.com site today is a chart showing the inflation rate of the deductibles across the whole healthcare system, not just in the um, the the uh, network of Obamacare options, um, the exchange, but rather across the 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 whole healthcare sector. Sixty three percent price inflation in five years in the deductibles that single coverage, um, single person health coverage represents. There's still been a 19% increase in premiums, and that's going to be even higher next year. Um, but when you're talking about one of the lowest inflation periods we've had, this is a big story politically, but perhaps an even bigger story economically, the impact it has on consumer spending habits, etc. Well, the glass is half full, or at least has an ice cube in it that will melt. I really do not want to be misunderstood this week, okay? I am anticipating volatility around the election. Um, we have a chart of the week in this week's Dividend Cafe that provides some useful history about what markets typically do before and after an election. Um, and I do believe, as I said a moment ago, bonds are sensitive to interest rate increases that are generally overpriced right now. I, but I have believed that for many years and there hasn't been a lot of consequence. I do suspect selectivity will be an important part of stock performance in the next year or two, but that is not screaming bearishness by any means. And I do think a recession will come at some point in the next few years, but I believe it will be a mild recession by historical measures, and I believe it cannot be timed or forecasted. On top of all this, though, is my unwavering certainty that the profit motive lives on and that no central banker or bureaucrat will ultimately stop the forward march of history let alone the forward march of enterprise. Capital is inerrantly rational, meaning it inerrantly seeks its most rational exploitation. Be a part of that in your investing, not a part of headline-driven investment policy. We'll leave it there for the week. I um, look forward to producing in our uh, content next week helpful takeaways from the election results, whatever they may be. Have a wonderful weekend, and thank you for listening to this week's Dividend Cafe podcast.